happening from full-time leggy to test opener. Steve Smith is about to approach a brand new challenge. Cameron Green returns to the test team for the first time in six months. How will the West Indies handle things here in Australia? Darren Ganga to join the Around the Wicket team. Plus, Meg Lanning is back. Let's go Around the Wicket. And welcome to Around the Wicket. I'm Nerily Meadows. Great to have your company as Australia prepare for a brand new test series against the West Indies. And as we have Lisa Stalaker back on board, we also welcome Darren Ganga for the very first time. And Darren, I've got to say, busy week for you. You've had a baby. Well, your partner's had a baby. You had a birthday and now you're here. Thanks for fitting us in. Yes, thanks for having me. It's been eventful but exciting. Um, a new addition to my family, a baby girl, to match my son who is uh, about two years old, so happy to celebrate my birthday with that exciting gift. And some more exciting news, Lisa. Meg Lanning is back in action. There are a lot of cricket fans who were worried that we wouldn't see Meg again after she pulled out of the WBBL. Personal reasons, other reasons, but she's back playing for Victoria. Yeah, great signs uh, to see her being able to get back to training and then also to go out with the Victorian side. Um, WPL is not that far away and she is the, the skipper of Delhi, so they'll be looking and watching her closely, but also Taylor Valamic as well back today. So that's huge news for Australian cricket. Meg is just a household name right across the world of cricket, isn't she? Yeah, she's taken a break and I think that will rejuvenate her. Um, when you think about Australian cricket, you can't you know, go past Meg Lanning. There are some exciting players coming through the fall, but I think she is, you know, she's really represented women's cricket in Australia brilliantly globally as well. Well, from one former Aussie skipper to another, there is going to be a new challenge for Steve Smith. To tell us more, Alex Malcolm, ESPN Crick Info Insider, is in Adelaide ready for this first test against the West Indies. Alex, it's a new look. It certainly has a different look and feel narrowly, despite the fact they've only made one change from the Sydney test, highlighted by the fact that Stephen Smith was the first in the nets yesterday to face Pat Cummins with a brand new ball. He actually commented at how much he was enjoying the new ball pinging off the middle of his blade as he faced Cummins and South Australia paceman Brendan Doggett, who was in the squad as a net bowler. Cameron Green returns to the side for the first time since the Ashes. He says he feels no added pressure moving into Stephen Smith's coveted number four role. He spent the last three days working very closely with the Australia's batting coach Michael Duvenuto. One thing to look out for in this test match is a change in Green's back lift. He's picking his bat up a lot higher than he has done previously. It was something he worked on during the World Cup when he was out of the side and he said it felt really good in his last year of innings against Queensland for Western Australia when he made 96 at the Gabba. There's a change too in the slips, Gordon. Green back into the gully. Usman Khawaja will move into first slip and Mitchell Marsh will field at third when required. As far as the conditions are concerned here at Adelaide Oval, it's the first Red Bull Day game here since 2018 and only the second since 2014. But curator Damien Hoff says there's been no change in the pitch preparation. It's exactly the same as the day-night games. There's plenty of live green grass on at the moment, though, so there'll be a bit there for the fast bowlers early to challenge Smith in his first innings as test opener, narrowly. And that's what Darren Ganga will like the sound of. Steve Smith being challenged by that West Indies attack. We're going to talk more about the West Indies shortly. But up next, Michael Clark is going to join us. And fair to say, you go way, 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 way back. Yeah, Australian Institute of Sport days when we were teenagers. Michael Clark, Shane Watson. 
alongside myself, Chris Gilra, and Ray Sawan. Oh. We have a few secrets I wouldn't let it out. <laughs> I reckon they would have had <laughs> some Quite fun life. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Off the ground as much as on the ground. Look at that guilty uh, look on his father of two now. He, he, no, no. <laughs> I must say he was a leader back then as well. Coordinated <laughs> the youth, taking us to the ground, acted like a manager. Very responsible guy, I must say, as a teenager. As a teenager, he has been there, so things have changed. Michael Clark will join us after this short break. But as we head to the break, we need to hear from Steve Smith, who, as we keep on saying, is going to be Australia's brand new test opener. It's something that isn't really foreign to me. Um, you know, I've batted on numerous occasions where I've come in early doors and, you know, I batted at number three for quite a while there. And really the only reason I went down to number four was um, because I was captain. I wanted to give myself some, um, some more time to just refresh mentally after thinking so much in the field before going out to bat. And, you know, I don't have to do that anymore. So it's, um, yeah, perfect to, to get in early and, and face the music. I think we were pretty open that we thought Cam Green was in our top six batters and really all, all that was iron, to iron out was the details around the batting order and um, yeah, it wasn't until around about then that we started chatting seriously to Smudge and found out just how keen he was and the reasons why and um, yeah, after that I think it all made sense. It got Smithy into his position that he'd love to bat in and it got Green into a spot where he scored a mound of shield runs and knows pretty well, so made pretty pretty much good sense. Pat Cummins leading a new phase and a new era for Australian cricket after David Warner. Well, Michael Clark joins us now. He was there from the very beginning of Steve Smith's career. And I tell you what, more than Smudge himself, more than Smudge's family, more than the Australian Test team, I feel like you have a lot riding on this, Michael Clark, and the success of Steve Smith, the opener, <laughs> after... What you said on this show last time, which was, don't be surprised if he could pass Brian Lara's 400. And this time next year, he'll be ranked number one yeah. test opener in the world. I believe you've had a bit of an exchange with Smudge since making those calls. How did he think of your big predictions? He agrees 100%. Uh, how are you guys? Thanks for having me again. Um, oh, look, I, I, I'd like to think uh, I wouldn't say something... Uh, on this show that I don't believe, and that is my truth. I, I do think he's still the best batsman in the Australian team. I know there's been a lot of talk around, is it the right decision to move him from four to one? Do we need a specialist opener? Um, this guy's batted everywhere in the order apart from opening. He's had success everywhere in the order apart from opening. Now he gets a crack at it. I'm sure he will. But, you know, I, again, I, I said last week, I, I also believe it's the hardest place to bat all around the world. Takes time to adjust. I know he's batted at number three, but it's not facing the first delivery of, of a test match. There is uh, more challenges at the top of the order, certainly batting first. Uh, if there's a bit in the wicket, a brand new ball, bowlers are fresher. So there'll be challenges for him, but... If anyone's equipped, it's Steve Smith. And my reason behind, um, you know, for people that know me, they know how much I love Brian Lara. He's a great friend of mine and he was my favourite batsman growing up. So him having that record of 400, I think, sits beautifully. But I just think Steve Smith knows how to make big hundreds. If he can get in, if he can get to 50 or 60, then it wouldn't surprise me if one day he does beat that record of Brian's. But, yeah, uh, it's not every day you make 400, and I certainly did not want to show any disrespect to 
uh, to Brian, who, like I say, is a great friend. But, yeah, I think um, I think he's capable, Steve Smith, of, uh, of transitioning from, whether it's four, back to three, opening. You know, he started as a leg spinner. Think back to when he made his debut as a leg spinner in the Australian cricket team. And now he's, you know, he's one of the greatest batsmen we've had. So it shows uh, how good he is, shows the work that he puts in, and I guarantee you, after my uh, brief conversation with him, he's got a few doubters to prove wrong, and he knows that he's, he's capable. Sorry to cut you off there, Pup. It is an extraordinary story, isn't it? Going from batting at 8-9 as a full-time leggy to now opening for Australia. And we've already said he's the best since Bradman. But to want to take on this challenge in his mid-30s. Yeah, I, I think it's brave of him. But it also shows you that he's been able to adapt over his career. He found a way to get into the Australian side, and that was through leg spin. Um, but no doubt, through all of his shield cricket for New South Wales underage, batting was still his preferred skill. And he found a way to slowly come up. Now he's got to the, right to the top. And Pup, there's been lots of different conversations around this move and the reasoning behind it, but one that hasn't really been touched on, mm. the little rivalry that David Warner and Steve Smith have always had. They were tit for tat with Test <laughs> Hundreds for quite some time. They came through the New South Wales ranks together. Do you think this will add just a little bit, as you said, proving doubt is wrong, but also proving to his old mate, and we saw in the big bash the banter between them, that, hey, I can do this too? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's probably a few. I, I don't know if Davey Warner would be one of the doubters. So I think Smitty, firstly, would have a few doubters he'd like to prove wrong. Um, but, yeah, look, those two have always had that that great rivalry, um, ultra-competitive from a young age, wanting to be the best and probably used each other to to become better. Uh, you know, I remember when Smitty first came into the team, I think the two people that stand out in my mind in regards to hitting so many balls at training were Ricky Ponting and Steve Smith. They were just batting the entire time. It was You nearly had to force them out of the net to get in there and get a bat yourself. So, you know, you look at the way Davey Warner started his career versus the back end when I retired, he was hitting a lot more balls and it was based on, you know, that's what Steve Smith did and Steve Smith was making runs. So they've been competitive for a long time, but I think it's been healthy competition. Um, and, yeah, if, if that's in the back of Steve Smith's mind, then so be it. I don't care what's driving him uh, as long as something's driving him. You know, I also think maybe this transition and this risk uh, of going to the top of the order might just be something that inspires him to keep playing for a bit longer as well. Um, you know, bat in a position he hasn't batted, chase some records there, chase that high score of uh, of an Australian batsman, let alone of Brian Lara. You know, everyone's different. You know, some people play for personal milestones, some people don't. I don't know what's driving Smitty, but from my discussion with him, he's as keen as I've heard, um, and I think he's looking forward to this challenge. And as we just saw there, he averages 150 against the West Indies at that Adelaide track. You look a little <laughs> nervous, Darren Ganga. What do the new ball plans need to be to him? Because that's been a conversation as well. He often gets targeted by the short ball since a few years ago up against New Zealand, but that's probably not a tactic when you're opening the batting. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I, I totally believe that Steve Smith will make full use of this opportunity. Not only he is sound technically, I think what he's done already is psychologically blurred the minds of opposition teams by saying, hey, in recent times you guys have got me out with a short delivery. 
you don't want to do that with the short ball and the new ball, right? So I, I just feel that mm. you know, the West Indies will have to be smart when bowling to him because teams might be inclined to going short early and that will be opportunities for him to score with an ultra-attacking feel very early in the Test match innings. So the West Indies, I think they have the, the value of experienced seamers. You think of Kima Roach, Alzari, Joseph to, to a large extent. And they have some unknowns as well, Shamar, Joseph. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But it's a great opportunity. And what I'd like to add is the great players of this game, they love a challenge. Mm. And Steve Smith, no doubt, is a great of this game. Michael Clark will know yeah. it as well. At this stage of his career, to have that challenge of opening the batting with all the risks involved, it's only going to push him to rise to become better. So I think it's going to be a positive mm. sort of return for Australia and Australian cricket. And for those playing along at home as well, he is younger than Usman Khawaja was when Usman, Usman Khawaja came back into the test fold a couple of years ago and has put together back-to-back calendar years of 1,000-plus runs. So it's not out of the question to re-evolve and, and, you know, get it together in a completely different challenge, as you say, for the great players. But, of course, he's not the only player who's made a shift heading into this test pup. There's also Cameron Green. Six months out of the test fold, he gets his opportunity to bat at four. He said over the weekend that he was 95% sure he's going to be opening until Steve Smith made that decision to go up to the top. But the challenge that he'll face, having not played a lot of cricket in the last few months, just the PM's 11 was his last outing, a Shield game as well. He was in and out of the World Cup team. What should we expect from him and what does he need to do to take that next step and submit that spot in this Test 11? Oh, I think he's he's waiting. He's been waiting for his opportunity. Uh, Mitch Marsh has come in and, and grabbed hold of the all-rounder position at number six, so he's had to bide his time, um, whether that be in, and Mitch obviously in one-day cricket and 2020 cricket's owned it as well. So uh, I think he's ready. I think there's no doubt he was going to be in the eleven. It was just where he was going to bat. I think he's probably a little bit relieved he's not opening as much as I'm sure he would have preferred to open than not play. I think he's more comfortable in that number four or number six position, to be honest. I'm, I was unsure. Were they going to go Travis Head four, Mitch Marsh five, Cameron Green at six, or slot him straight into four? But listening to Paddy Cummins and Andrew, Andrew McDonald, it seems like they want to, the least distractions as possible. So Smitty to open. Cameron Green to four. Great opportunity for him. It's a beautiful place to bat, but it can be difficult as well. You could be two for two for five walking out on a on a green seamer, or you could play in India and all of a sudden you're facing two quality spinners and starting your innings against there against them. So his game has evolved already and it's and it's improving at the highest level, which is not easy, but it will need to continue to grow. I think technically he looks very good against fast bowling. He plays the short ball really well. He's grown up batting on the whacker or in WA with that pace and bounce. I think there's going to need to be some adjustments in regards to starting his innings against spin. That obviously won't be the case here against the West Indies, or even if he does, it's in Australian conditions and he knows so well. So these two test matches, I think, are are a good start and a good stepping stone for him. But then when he goes to somewhere like the subcontinent, Sri Lanka, India, Bangladesh, I think starting your innings against spin is a little bit more difficult. Um, Once he gets in, he plays spin well. He sweeps well, uses his feet. He's got a great power game. He's a super talent, there's no doubt about it. So I can understand why they want him in the 11 uh, and have done and, have ma- and made it obviously very clear to him for the last month or so that, you know, as soon as Davey goes, he's walking straight back in. 
Um, there was a lot of speculation around that, but he was told early doors that he was coming back in, and I think he'd be a lot more comfortable coming back in at number four. So he's got to back himself, play his natural game, uh, and like I say, he'll be more comfortable that he's in the spot he likes, in conditions that he likes, and he's probably going to get more, it was more chance of getting fast bowling against his West Indies attack than spin bowling. Yeah, I would just like to build upon that. I, I surely think that Cameron Green is a generational talent. He has the ability to dominate cricket and, and play for Australia for a long time. But for me, when I, when I look at Australian cricket historically, was there enough investment in Tess all-rounders and genuine Tess all-rounders? I look at him and I say, this guy could be a Jack Alice, this guy could be a Gary Sobers, this guy could be a Sir Ian Botham. haven't seen a lot of players in the Test arena from an Australian point of view you know, grab hold mm. of that all-rounder status and, and, and become world-class. Mm. Um, this is an opportunity, I feel. And I think Cricket Australia has carved a space for him at number four. There's been that debate about specialist openers, but they've rejigged their top batters in Australia to make room for this guy. He's played 24 test matches. He has a test match 100 in India, so he's got the skills I mean, how do you guys look at this? Yeah, look, I certainly feel that um, they've managed his workloads. Remember, he came back into the test side. He wasn't allowed to bowl or he was only allowed to bowl maybe 20 balls or whatever it may be. So they kind of gave him the breathing space to recover from stress fractures because they feel that he is this talent that is going to be in this Australian side and dominate for a long period of time. I don't think he has to necessarily go up another level. He needs to play what he... He needs to play the way he normally does. And I think the Australian selectors have said and thrown belief into him and almost rolled the red cup and said, this is yours, buddy. Mm. Like, just enjoy it. Just play the way that you play and everything will be fine. So um, it's there for him really to take now. And on behalf of all West Australians, yes, Cameron Bancroft has not come back in, but it was Mitch Marsh, who is a great West Australian, who was keeping Cam Green out of the team. And Cameron Green, as you said, has just been given the red carpet. So we're doing OK as West Australians. Pop, thank you very much. You New South Welshman for your time. I'll have to get your stories of you and Darren Ganger a little bit later. I've got nothing but good stories about Darren. He's a legend. <laughs> Good stories, fun stories. Don't go anywhere because after this short break, as Darren alluded to, we're going to hone in on the West Indies. I think especially early on, you could always get carried away as, as fast bowlers. Obviously, in the Caribbean, we're not that accustomed. We don't see many pitches like this. So for, for young fast bowlers to come, you know, we get a bit excited about a little shorter. We've got to believe in ourselves. I mean, we've, got to, and we've, got to, we've got to do well. Um, I do believe we, we have some talent, you know, both, both ends, both sides, and it's just about going out there and doing the job. Craig Brathwaite to lead a squad with seven uncapped players up against Australia in Australia. It's a daunting task, Darren Ganga. <laughs> a giggle and a smile from you. Give West Indian fans hope. Give Australian fans who want a competitive test series hope. Okay, so I'd like to contextualise uh, this response because, of course, it's the number one ranked test playing nation playing the number eight ranked team, the West Indies. So that in itself will tell you where this team is at. There are a few bright spots within this team. Of course, the captain, Craig Brathwaite, it's back-to-back opportunities for him to lead a West Indian test side on Australian soil. The last time around, they struggled in that two-test series. 
but he has the wealth of experience to lead this batting lineup. Remember, he scored that second innings uh, 100 in Perth the last time around. So both himself and Teacher and Chandapol, I think, are very critical for batting success in this uh, Western inside. So I'd look to them to sort of lead the way, pave the way. The important thing for them to do is, of course, try to inspire batting twice against Australia to at least be competitive. There's a young man called Alec Atenez from Dominica who had the chance to play two test matches against India. He showed great promise. He, in fact, has the record for the joint fastest ODI half-century on debut when he scored a 26-ball uh, 50 against the UAE. So there's talent there. If he can realize that in a consistent manner, I think he will be a handful against Australia. Very mature head. But again, the last thing that I'd like to say about this West Indian side, they have more experience in their bowling lineup. Mm. You think of Alzari Joseph, who's just been given leadership because he's been appointed as vice captain. He's on the rise in terms of his own reputation as a bowler. He has pace. We saw in that Pakistan series yeah. against Australia, they lacked pace. Jamal was the only bowler who was able to really put the Australians on the back foot. So, Alzari Joseph, Kima Roach, slowing down in pace, but high on skill, will be crucial with the new ball. But the one that I left for last is Shamar Joseph. He's the unknown. We saw him in that uh, warm-up game against mm -hmm. uh, that Cricket Australia 11. He had a fantastic run with the Guyana Harp Eagles in first-class cricket. And then with the West Indies A team in South Africa. So what he brings, he brings space. He's very close to 140. Both himself and Azari Joseph could complement each other. And he has skills as well and that passion of wanting to do well. So I think they have to try and find a way of meshing all aspects of the game together. They've had a chance to experience the conditions here. Adelaide hasn't really been um, a, a, a hunting ground that, that has been bad against uh, the West Indies, if you look back historically. They've done relatively well in Adelaide, and I think the last time we won a test match here would have been back in 1997, I think, when, when Courtney Walsh, I think, was captain of the team. So maybe one in 30 chances of the West Indies <laughs> this is winning, the, uh, a, winning a test match, I would say. I, I will actually say they've probably had the best preparation. They've had two weeks out in Adelaide. They had the game against CA11. And because West Indies and everyone's kind of other players have decided for different tournaments, this group has been able to spend some quality time together and get used to the conditions. I think that's the perfect preparation for them. My only concern is probably the lack of red ball opportunities. Alzari Joseph, a prime example, has only played six red ball matches since the last test match against Australia. And you think of the Australian team, they've played a lot of tests in different conditions and been successful. So it's a daunting task. We didn't expect a lot from Pakistan, but boy, did they put up a fight. So mm. I'm expecting the same from West Indies. I'd love to have more time, but just broadly, just momentarily, <laughs> yeah. we heard Brian Lara come out and say we need to sell culture, we need to sell history. You just mentioned a few of those great yep. names yep. to this younger generation. How do you feel about where West Indian Test cricket is out right now? Look, uh, this, this current team is a team that is forming. You, you, you look at this squad and you reflect on the squad that was last year, two years ago, from number three downwards to about number eight, it's a new complement mm -hmm. of players. So you've got to give them a little bit of time. Have patience with the side. The one thing you'll see from the side is aggression, and you would see that passion that Brian Lara is speaking about. They'll be well aware of the opposition that they're up against. But as we saw, you mentioned, Lisa, with Pakistan, there were critical moments in those test matches that Pakistan had the opportunity mm -hmm. to go ahead and possibly win the test match. So 
things like batting well two times around, making sure that you take your opportunities with your catching and your out cricket. Those are critical things that they'll need to focus on. The fact that they, they have a young side with not a lot of baggage might work to the advantage of, of, of the West Indies. But again, it wouldn't be surprising for all of us to see that they go down 2-0 against this Australian side. Well, that's not what we wanted to finish on. But I think what you're trying to say is put up a fight. Yes. Put up a fight. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take on the short stuff next. Time to take on the short stuff. Lisa Stalaker, you were there live as David Warner. Chop it into the middle of the SCG. What's been your most dramatic arrival to a cricket ground? Maybe a police escort, a, you know, a dummy vehicle and road shut. Down, that's about it. Pakistan dummy vehicle? Yeah, yeah, but uh, no chopper. <laughs> no chopper. Haven't, haven't gotten to that level. Do wonder <laughs> who foot the bill as well. Uh, the ODI squad came out a few days ago. Marcus Stoinis was not in it. 34 years of age. Last 50 was March 2019 in the ODIs. 37 innings without. Is he done in the ODI team? Yeah, when I look at the talent pool here and the quality of the talent pool, yeah, I think they're looking at someone else. Maybe Aaron Hardy. Hardy? Yeah, Hardy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Expert over here. Oh, Speaking it. of ODIs, uh, Adam Zampa's new tattoo, mm. just influenced by Curb Your Enthusiasm meets two World Cup wins. Thoughts? Uh, if he likes it, that's the most important thing because it's there for life. <laughs> You're not a fan though, are you? Let's be honest. <laughs> not really. <laughs> I would like you to rank your week for us, please. You've had a baby, you've had a birthday, and you've made your around-the-wicket debut. No Where do we sit? I'm scared out of 10, probably 20. Very scared because I don't think you can get better than this one. Oh, he's ranked the whole week instead of putting it in order. <laughs> you got out of it. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.